I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. Hi, I'm Alexander Chester, and I'm going to dress like a little Dutch girl. And I'm Av Sedensky, and what are you doing here? We recorded the podcast last night. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. We are here today to discuss Season 6, Episode 1, Meet the Blacks, which originally aired on September 9th, 2007, about two years since the start of Season 5. I mean, I remember at this at the time, and it was like such a relief at long last Curb is back, but um, for us, it's just the usual one week. Yeah, do you think the the title of this episode is uh, a pun on Meet Joe Black? The Brad Pitt movie. Is Larry a big uh, Brad Pitt fan? Who isn't a big Brad Pitt fan? Yeah. Did you Did you see that movie? No, but I have seen the one like ridiculous scene where like they keep looking back at each other, and then he gets hit by the car. Oh, I don't. I don't even know the movie enough. He's like blind or something in that movie. I don't even know. I think Meet Joe Black is like one is a movie that's like known for. Like, it had the trailer for Star Wars, maybe, and, just, like, it had very high box office because of that. Here we go. Box office. As Micho Black was one of the few films showing the first trailer for Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, it was reported that droves of Star Wars fans bought tickets for film only to leave after the trailer showed. <laughs> so, like, it's, like, opening weekend numbers were, like, deceptively high because people were just buying it to go see the Star Wars trailer, and then... That's kind yeah. of funny. I guess back then, that's the only way to see a trailer. Yeah, I mean, unless you just, like, saw it on... I, I, yeah, I don't know if it was on TV already, meaning, like... It might have premiered yeah. in theaters. I mean, now it's immediately leaked, obviously, online. Yeah, or just they, you know, they put it on YouTube because that's where people are going to yeah. see it. Uh, but yeah, yeah so um, yeah, maybe an homage. Mm. All right, well, let's uh, let's jump into season six of Curbs. I'm very yeah. excited for where we're going. Let's meet the Blacks. So not just yet. We're not being the blacks just yet. We're uh, we're just home. We're with the whites, Larry and Cheryl, the Jews, <laughs> the Jew and the Gentile. Um, and they're in bed, and they hear some sort of beeping noise. They can't really figure out what it is at first. Um, it stops, so they figure, okay, we can go back to sleep. Uh, but then, of course, it starts right back up again. And turns out it's a smoke alarm. And they do what everybody does when there's some sort of smoke alarm going on in their houses. They walk all over the house because it's impossible to find the noise in your house because of the way sound moves weirdly. Are you uh, being sarcastic or serious? No, serious. This is this is a new oh. thing. Oh. It's uh, very – like, in, in okay. houses especially – in apartments probably less so, but in houses, uh, because of they're big and cavernous, it's, it's, like, it's very often huh. difficult to like, find the location of a noise. Because of like the way like sound bounces off the walls, like this... yeah, if it's some weird noise, you don't know what it is. But if it's a smoke alarm, you know it's right, either but... one option or the one right next to it. It's well, not like... I have I have like six smoke alarms in my house, so it, it, this happens to me yeah, all but the time. It... What they what they do really? is okay. Like this I, seems I... Compl- all right, all right. That, I thought I thought there was two things that made no sense about the scene. First of all, that they literally have to walk around the entire house, but more importantly. Why do they both have to get up to check the smoke alarm? Like, yeah. there's no chance in this scenario that Jen's getting out of bed. This is a one-person job. Well, it actually is a two-person job for the reason <laughs> that I'm saying, which is that what you need is, like, you need to, like, station Hold on. people by so, you. So, so you're telling me that if the smoke alarm goes off in your house or that or the battery's low and there's that beeping, 
at three in the morning that you're waking up and your wife is waking up to go walk around the house. Well, and your kids, I, you wake up your kids. I'm, I'm not saying she would agree to do that, but that is what yeah. should happen. Because it's, I'm telling like, it, it's. What are you it's, talking about? When you're standing under the thing, you hear it coming directly above you. Yeah, if you're standing under the right one, but like. I'm, yeah, so you don't need to calibrate people at each one. Like, is it coming from this room? No. Let me go. Oh, it's coming from the kitchen. Let me walk there. Okay. Well, there's one on this side of the kitchen, one on that side of the kitchen. All right. Problem solved. Well, that could take a long time. You know, it doesn't. It, doesn't, right. it depends. It depends what the reason. If it's like a low battery, like sometimes it beeps like every two minutes. Yeah, it's very no- yeah. So you got to be there. You know, that's so true. So yeah, to be you there hear like, it right at the second. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, like you're standing on the one. You're like, okay, no, it's not this one. Okay, yeah, okay, fine, that's fair. So like it helps um, to have like one person upstairs, like, one person some downstairs. Some of us don't find the beeping an annoying sound. Some of us, like a Nathan for you, think it's uh, merits to be in a uh, top forty single. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't count yeah. me on that list. Um, yeah, this is yeah. Ha- now. This what is- I do think it what, what is very relatable relatable to me is when. The, it won't go off, right? And you pull it from the wall, and you want to plug it, and you, like that. That part, and when Larry beats the shit out of it, that part's relatable to me because that that happens all the time in my yeah. experience. Well, this this is like exactly uh, an episode of Friends. Like Phoebe does the same thing with smashing the smashing the f- alarm and p- yeah, throwing it down the garbage know. disposal. Yeah, it's the same exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's the next day, or probably, later. someone probably tells that to Larry on Settlers. Like I don't give a shit. Yeah, I doesn't give a shit. He's like, Friends stole it for me. Three, you know. For my, yeah. they incept, I incepted into the friends. Um, so yeah, so we're at the golf club the next day. It's uh, we have Larry, we have Jeff, we have Richard Lewis in the locker room, and uh, Larry is uh, kind of complimenting Richard's game. He says, "You know, you played well for somebody who doesn't play that much." Um, although the well, Jeff- they make it sound as if this is the first time he's ever golfed in his life. Yeah, and then Jeff is like, and he, and he, yeah, yeah, he's like, you know, after like six or seven strokes on a hole, you know, you could just give up and move on to the next <laughs> one. It's okay. Yeah. Um, now, here's here's the thing. This is an example of where us being a week after the last episode is very different from the show being two years after. Because for us, I think what jumps out is that in the last episode, Richard had a putter that he loved so much he wouldn't lend it to uh, Larry at all. Right. Right. Yeah. But here, not only is there a mention of it, which, by the way, there's no way Larry would let that go unmentioned. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was in a coma yeah. for two months and the, all he cared about when he woke up is that yeah. Jeff. But, uh, but was now nobody remembers. Yeah. Nobody remembers the minor occurrence of Larry saving Richard's life and, and nearly dying himself, and then the putter. That no, no one remembers any of that. That that, that never happened. Yeah, we've moved on. Yeah. By the way, I went. Put, I played uh, mini golf with my kids the other day, and there was a debate about uh, after how many holes uh, do you, do you just write the number on the card and move to the next hole? Yeah, I think it's six. I think officially, I think officially, according to the rules, it's five or maybe six. But yeah. uh, with little kids, you know, you have to get them a little bit more. I think the rule yeah. is with little kids, you let them go until, you know, you get thrown out by the person behind you and then you move on. Yeah. Well, what we would do is let the people behind us go in front of us. And then, you know, we would stand on the side for a second because uh, we were very slow. But my kids are also extremely competitive with each other. So um, and also they're both big cheaters. <laughs> Oh, no, yeah. that was a three. No, that was a six. I was watching you. <laughs> no, no, that was a three. Those were do-overs. So what I, but I, what I basically realized at one point is that if either one beat the other one, there was going to be endless drama. Yeah. And it wasn't going to work out. And so what I did is I added each person's age to their score, mm. and it worked out perfectly so that I made it so that the one who's two years younger, his score was two higher. And then – so I, I, I got like a 48, but I add my age, and so I'm at like 85. And they got like a – Whatever they got, like a, like a, a seventy four, but then they add their numbers, so they both beat me and they tied each other. So everyone was happy. Yeah, I went, when I went mini golf with my kids, they both like were very upset at the end that they didn't um, like win the free game by getting it in that oh, hole. I'm yeah, like, I'm like, no yeah. one in the history of mini golf has ever won. Like, <laughs> yeah. like relax, it's okay. They're like, oh, we didn't win the free game. Yeah, 
Yeah, and also that they didn't get the, they don't get their ball back on the last. Hole. Yes, they, they were very right. We didn't tell yeah. them that they're, they're like are like okay, can we try again? They're like no. They're like where's the ball? We're like it's gone. <laughs> what do you mean the ball's gone? <laughs> yeah, I wanted a do over. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like literally no one has gotten it in the hole since mini golf has existed. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So uh, Richard's feelings. It's also are... one of those fun activities where you don't have to be that good to like really impress your kids. Yeah, mini golf is not that hard. I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's hard to be like really good to like get like a two on every hole, but like, yeah, you can get yeah. like a, a. It's it's not that hard to get like a three most on most yeah. holes. Yeah, you like you know, and you get to feel as you line up for the putt, you get to feel very you know like you're uh, you're shooting for the Masters or something. Yeah, I'll I'm not that. a golfer. Are you? You're not a golfer, right? No, now? not at all. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've gone all like right. once or twice. Not my thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, but I do like, but I think what Jeff says is very correct that you need a, you need a golf like. Or Larry, I forget which one says it, but you need a golf a lot just to become mediocre, passively mediocre. And Richard's not at that level, apparently. Oh, yeah, exactly. Right. There, yeah. It's, there's a there's a very steep learning curve. Yeah. Like you get, you know, but like once you get past a certain threshold, then I feel like that the the differences between people is is much less pronounced. Where like, yeah, you could you could pretty much. Well, there's differences between people like us. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so Larry's like, well, you know, if you didn't have a good time, then, you know, if you want, you can reimburse me for the $150 I spent on a guest pass for you. Um, and they're watching the footage from Hurricane Edna, and, you know, all the damage, all the homeless people. Uh, Richard calls it, uh, you know, this is Katrina 2.0, basically. Obama's Katrina. Mm. Well, not yet. It's 2007. Not yet. All right. Larry's Katrina. It's going to be Larry's Katrina. Yeah. Um, Larry wants to know, you know, did you guys go to? Uh, By the way, is this what they're going to do with the, with season eleven? So this season comes out, they're filming it, you know, right after Katrina, so they want that storyline, but they can't just copy Katrina because it's a year later. So like, okay, we'll do another hurricane. So are they going to do that for season eleven, like another another like pandemic, COVID twenty? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you know he wants to discuss that whole thing, but he's not going to do like a period piece. So yeah, what were people wearing in the year two thousand twenty? Let me remember back. <laughs> Um, well, Larry wears the same thing always. So yeah, uh, he wants to know. You know, did you guys go to the Funkhouse or party last night? Turns out nobody did. And Larry explains that you know I didn't really want to go because we have dancing party tonight, and I'm not doing back to back parties. So is this is this a Friday night Saturday night situation? It's got to be right. That makes the most sense. Or I guess it could yeah. be Saturday Sunday. Yeah, I, I doubt it's like Wednesday Thursday. It could be Thursday Friday. People do Thursday. Could, yeah, that's yeah. That's so you know we have a few options. It's also weird that, like, Ted – are the Dansons and the Funkhausers not – they don't have any overlap other than Jeff and Larry? Um, there might be. I mean, I guess Richard is pro- is an overlap, right? Yeah, I'm just – I'm surprised that, like, they're not – you know, that they're making these almost competing parties. Well, they're not competing. They're on different nights. Well, but they are because nobody wants to go to back-to-back parties. People are choosing one over the other, so. <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah, I don't know if, if any other people are uh, invited to both, and if so, yeah, whether we have they have an a eye on. We have to keep an eye on, on Funkhauser and Danson being together, like, socially. Because, yeah, we haven't seen it yet on Kirby, I guess. Yeah. We don't know if they uh, cross paths. Yeah. Um, so Jeff's like, yeah, I think I'm just going to tell him that Sammy was sick. And Larry's like, yep, that's one of the good reasons to have kids is you use them to get out of things. Um, this is absolutely correct. Yeah, they come up. They come up handy. Yeah. One of the best reasons to have kids is to use them to get out of social obligations you don't want to meet. Yeah, 100%. I and it's all the time. Uh, Larry's like, well, maybe what I'll do is I'll show up tomorrow and say I thought it was tonight and, you know, then there's no party and then I could just leave and go to dancing. Yeah. And they ask uh, Richard, are you coming? He's like, oh, I'm not sure. I have to speak to Cha-Cha, see what Cha-Cha says. Mm. Cha-Cha. And he leaves and uh, both are... Uh, our Larry. friend Harold used to work for Chacha. Yes, I was what he said. I have to ask Chacha. I was like, Chacha, what, what does that mean? Like, was he going to text some stranger? I... Yeah. 
Yeah, I remember that, that, uh, that was. So what was that? You would text two four two two four two or whatever the number is. Cha cha is a question. Yes, and, and a real life person would answer. <laughs> would Google it and answer. It was like basically like Google, but before you had a smartphone. Yeah, I remember. Um, I was coming back for a concert, and we realized that it was like one of the like Phelps gold medal races was that night, and it was like the the year that he won six or seven or whatever. Um, I so I think it was the that crazy relay. That I and we like so we like texted Chacha like did Phelps win and the guy the guy wrote back like watching it right now okay we're in the last stretch we're way behind oh my god we just came back that was awesome oh <laughs> you got play by play yeah pretty much it was like it was very funny yeah so I think you could sign up to be like a Chacha expert on certain subjects and then when somebody texted you'd get the notification and then every time you answered you got like 14 yeah. cents or something yeah <laughs> Harold yeah. made like $8 total yeah. doing it. <laughs> um, I have to say Larry showing up to a party on the wrong night it's a very George Costanza thing to do seems like to me uh yeah yeah I but mean like, it's kind of like the opposite of the showing up at work on Monday yeah, pretending sure. Friday didn't happen but t- yeah but like the problem here is like there's an obvious obvious risk with the scheme which is exactly what's going to happen here. <laughs> yes, and, yes. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's yeah. It happens to everyone who tries it in the episode. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, Larry and Cheryl are driving to the party, and Cheryl's very uh, fixated on the hurricane and like how sad it is and how terrible it is for the people that uh, have lost their homes and what are they going to do. And Larry is very focused on his itchy nose and the other bad drivers on the road. And Schmohawks, yeah. And Schmohawks. And by the way, I, I, I complained about this last episode where Larry was trying to talk about his life or death issue and Cheryl was just thinking about a DVD case. So now Cheryl's talking about life and death of other people, not even her own husband. Larry has every right to think about Schmohawks. Yeah, well, I guess they deserve each other. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she's like, maybe we should take in a displaced family. Uh, Larry's like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm going to need a few months to mentally prepare for that. You know, maybe we should think about it. Uh, but Cheryl, you know, Cheryl seems pretty keen on the idea. So we arrive yeah. at the Funkhausers, and Cheryl's like, why are we even doing this? This is so stupid. We should just go to dancing. Of course, I'm shocked she's willing right. to deal with it. Yeah, this is such a, yeah, this is like such a, uh, not a thing you would think Cheryl would go along with. Yeah. Um, so Funk opens the door, and he's like, hey, what's going on? And, you know, they do the whole thing. You know, Larry's like, pretends to be confused. Where are all the other guests? We thought the party was tonight. Oh, we must have misunderstood. Oh, you're saying the party was last night? Uh, so Marty's like, well, you know, since you're here, come, why don't you come on in? We have plenty of leftovers. We have plenty of games. And Larry's like, no, no, don't bother. And Funkhauser delivers what is the exact right answer and why this is not as <laughs> good of a plan is, well, why not? You have no plans. And you're here, and you expected to be here tonight, so you'll yeah. be here. Yeah. Now, throughout the scene, and then even more so with dancing the next night, it's not really clear to me. Does Marty really believe Larry and Cheryl, or is he like basically calling their bluff? Um, I don't think he knows because he doesn't come He's... off as a guy who's like he he seems like genuinely happy to have them, and you yeah. know wants you know. Whereas later Funk, I think, is a little more you know early Funk in Seinfeld is still a little bit uh you know more of a happy-go-lucky guy. He doesn't have yeah. the edge, maybe. Yeah, I don't think he's he's cynical here. He's still married to Nan. By the way, Nan is I would say the most boring television character of all time. <laughs> uh, yeah, she she's the the woman who writes down on her card. He would never cheat on me. Yes. <laughs> uh, so he's you know telling them all about the party, the karaoke. Um, and, you know, like, they, they, they're they you know, still saying, oh, we feel bad, we should go. But he, uh, he insists they should stay. All of a sudden, the doorbell rings, well, and who well, is it? hold on one second. Yeah. Funkman wants to play. He says, I have a great idea. We're going to play a thousand pickup sticks for money. <laughs> <laughs> a thousand. So I, I looked it up. Uh, there's 40 pickup sticks in a regular box. 
So did the fuck man go? He went to Costco. Did he go and buy twenty five boxes of pickup sticks. He, so he, he could play a thousand pickup sticks. He won money. <laughs> he went to Costco, and that's all. That's all they had. Yeah. So he had to buy the, the thirty pack. It was a, I, it was such a funny line to be a thousand pickup sticks. <laughs> it, there's no way that's in the script. That's fuck. That's fuck man coming up with that on the spot. Yeah, so the doorbell rings, and who is it? It's Jeff and Susie, and they're employing the same shtick. What are the odds, everyone says. Okay, now here's the other issue I have here. In both tonight and tomorrow night, Larry is mad tonight at Jeff and tomorrow Richard for having copied Larry's caper. But if anything, to me, it's a po- like it helps yes. Larry's cause. Yes, it I strengthens agree. his argument because we're not the only ones. Like, there was a reason. I'm not like. Obviously, there, there, must have, this party. there must yeah, have been there, some miscommunication if yeah, multiple there was a people reason, had. Yeah, multiple, exactly. So why is Larry mad at, like, he's yelling at Jeff, and then tomorrow night he yells at Richard? I don't understand him. Yeah, I mean, it could cut both ways. Like, it could be, be like, that's a little suspicious that, you know, uh, you know everyone's well, showing up. Person, yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I could definitely see how it could play both ways. But I, you know, I would think if you've done, like, really what they should have done is coordinate it and, like, planned it in a smart way. So that way the the, the multiple people works to your advantage. Um. But yeah, I, I love where um, Larry's like, you stole my bit. He's like, I didn't steal your bit. I gave credit to you and I told Susie about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, no, it's not about authorship. You're like blowing up yeah. the spot. There's a citation here, yeah. But again, I think Larry's wrong. Yeah. Uh, so Jeff's like, don't worry. We'll be out of here in five minutes. And Larry's like, yeah. okay, we'll see. We're yeah. locked in. We're not making that dancing party. Yeah. So fast forward and everyone's enjoying some cake and Cheryl wants to know where to get in. They got the address for the bakery. And Larry's like still trying to say, you know, let's, you know, maybe we could excuse ourselves and get out of here. And he says his dad has a virus and he has to go visit him. <laughs> yeah. You don't visit your old man, an old man when he has a virus. Yeah. And, He's and, got Je- a quarantine. and, and Jeff's like, oh, Sammy is uh, Sammy is sick. And like they're both like trying to like. This no, no, is, no. This- Sammy. No. So Sammy's excuse is that he's she's waiting for a puppet. Oh, waiting for a puppet. OK. Yeah. And uh, I don't understand what that means. A, what does it mean? Waiting for a puppet. B, isn't this late at night? It's like a, it's an adult party. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this is this is kind of like where um, Elaine and George are both trying yeah, to get out of book. Pe- <laughs> out of Peterman. Yeah, <laughs> I have a man to write him down. Yeah, um, so Funkhauser's like I don't that. believe it for a second. Uh, no one's By leaving. Way, a night of dinner with Peterman, I think, would be an interesting experience. Also, yeah, I would have a night but with guess, Peterson. Yeah, Peterman. Uh, Peterson. Who's Peterson? Isn't that what Kramer calls him? Oh, uh, okay. Isn't there a point where Kramer thinks his name is Peterson? <laughs> oh, uh, yes. Uh, I but I thought so. you were calling him Peterson. I was well, I was, I was calling him what Kramer calls him. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kramer's, uh, so yeah, Kramer. Uh, Funkhauser is like, no one's leaving. We're playing the newlywed game. And yeah. the first question but, up is... But hold on. Well, th- this is another issue I have. So Funkman says, we played this last night. It was so much fun. It's the newlywed game. Well, if Funkman played last night... Then obviously he knows all the answers. Why is he playing? He, like he's participating in the game. It's well, so stupid. maybe they're not going to do the cards that you know him and his wife already did last night. Oh well, I guess hopefully. Or maybe for, maybe the first he card did, is pretty Maybe spicy. he didn't play. There were so many people at the party. He was maybe just like oh, the host. He was just oh, he was the MC. Okay, maybe. Um. So yeah. So the first question, of course, is if you could have sex with one of your friends' wives <laughs> or girlfriends, who would you choose? Classic, yeah. And uh, Marty goes first, and he says, well, of course, Cheryl's very beautiful, and Susie is very well-dressed, um, but of course, I'm going to choose my wife. And he, oh, my God. And he was right, and because she, she wrote down, uh, he would never. And Larry gives it a few seconds of thought and says, cha-cha. 
And Cheryl completely, you know, goes crazy and is like, oh, I didn't realize you had a thing for Chacha that you really wanted to have sex with her. And I was like, I don't want to have sex with her. He's like, oh, she's like, oh, yeah, read back the question. What was the question? If you could have sex, there you go. Yeah. Um, and and what is your, why is your blow up Larry spot here? Like Larry I mean, asked on his deathbed. Yeah. I mean, though, yeah, that, that was the question. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jeff's like, well, we're, I was going to write, I was gonna write Susie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice move, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff is fucking people all the time anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, everyone just uh, piles on Larry. Yeah. So we're back home, and Larry is in the doghouse. He's kicked out of the bedroom. He's trying to apologize through the door, saying Chacha means nothing to me. I'll do anything. And she's like, anything? He's like, well, anything except adopting a hurricane family. Yeah. Um, so, of course, cut to the car, and Larry and Cheryl on the way to the airport to pick up the adopted family. Cheryl's yeah, very now, excited. Now, hold on a second. Yeah. How are they all supposed to fit in this car? I didn't really understand this part. Um... Yeah, it's not a very big car, and there's uh, yeah. four of them. So, yeah. yeah. Plus, they probably have lots of stuff, although maybe all their yeah. stuff is destroyed, so they have no stuff. And also, <laughs> and also, I think they thought there was going to be five of them, right? But when, um, you know, when, when uh, one who is in this episode shows up tomorrow, in the next episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, unclear. Well, yeah. yeah, I guess I mean, gonna, there's going to be some people sitting st- on laps. Yeah, you still go to the airport to greet your guests, I think, but you're not the one literally driving them. Um, yeah, I don't know how it works in when you adopt a family from our kid. <laughs> Yeah, um, but yeah, as you said, first they have to stop the dancings because they learned nothing from last night, and they're yes. going to try and pull them into <laughs> the same thing. Yeah, how yeah. could what could possibly go wrong? Oh, the exact same insane. thing. Except now it's not like well they have a party to go. There literally are people waiting for them at the airport. Right. Exactly. Right. Yes. The tail risk is much higher. Yes. Um, so uh, you know when you know when as they try they try the trick, Ted is actually relieved because he's like you know I actually was kind of pissed that you didn't come and that you didn't call and tell us uh, you know what happened. Um, so, you know, why don't you come in for some leftovers? Because after all, you have no plans and you're here. Yeah. He says, we've got leftovers. We'll make you an omelet or something, which is a str- – first of all, why would you need to make an omelet if you if have you leftovers? Have leftovers right. And who makes an omelet at night? I mean, I would enjoy it, I guess, if someone – if Ted Danson offered me an omelet at night, I'd say yes because I always like omelets. But it's just – it's not usually done at like, you know, 9 o'clock at night. What I want to know is how come all of these people have leftovers? Shouldn't the caterer have taken home the leftovers and given 10% to Jeff? <laughs> Well, I guess Jeff wasn't at the party either time, so he right. managed to. Yeah, yeah just yeah. I, I, I get very angry every time I think about that caterer who took home the food. Yeah. Um, so uh, you know, Ted is uh, droning on about his uh, jaw problems and making small talk, and he uh, he's starting to feel like the Davids don't really want to be there. Yeah. Um, and they're like, well, Larry's like, well, you know, I just like, I really feel like I don't want to intrude. My mother would be very upset at me if I was some if I was at someone's house the night after a party. And by the way, this is a situation where they have an excuse, which I think Ted and, and Mary would accept, which is, oh, we're going to adopt this family who's just like survivors from a hurricane. You know, and they just called us on my cell phone, you know, and they said, oh, actually, um, you know, we're, we're coming tonight, not tomorrow. So we were only really going to be at the party for a few minutes anyways, our deepest apologies. And they say, oh, no, of course, of course, that's understandable. Like, here's a built-in excuse they actually have. Yeah. yeah. Um, so then Larry tries to claim that he thinks he left his car on. Yeah, I don't. What was it? So he was just gonna bolt? Like I, I don't really understand. I don't know, but this is the point when I think Ted clearly knows that he's full of shit. Yes, yes, it definitely turns because, yeah. like, let, let's say like he let him and Cheryl both go, like they were just gonna leave. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, and they deal with the consequences <laughs> later. I mean, you could still just do that. You could just say we're leaving and walk out. Like you're not actually yeah. being held hostage there. Like once you're gonna be an asshole, like just so then just go. <laughs> 
Yeah, but it's easier to do it not face to face, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Um, I so yeah, so they uh, they're they're about to make a five hundred dollar bet about whether or not the car is on. Uh, when yeah. all of a sudden, uh, Richard Lewis and Chacha show up, and they're also using the same excuse. Yeah, and again, Larry's really pissed at Richard, and it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I think it helps his argument. Yeah. Uh, but Richard is even more mad at Larry, saying he got 35 calls saying yeah. that Larry wants to have sex with Chacha. They don't know 35 people. I reject this yeah. premise. First of all, there was like six people there, Yeah, one of whom was Cheryl, one of whom was Larry. So neither of them did this. Well, word travels fast. Word travels fast to who? About what? This isn't even a thing. That he said in a game? <laughs> Whatever. Um, so Larry's like, you know what? I don't even want to be in the same room as Richard. Richard doesn't want to be in the same room as Larry. They both fight over who should be the one that gets to leave. Um, and I think it ends up being everyone just leaves. Hmm. Um, Ted, so, Ted seems pretty pissed. Yeah, Ted is pissed. So we're at the airport, and it's completely empty because obviously yeah. they're very late. This and is what happens at airports. At night, It's there's literally zero people there. Well, the la- yeah, it was the last flight of uh, California yeah, for the day. Night. By the way, why did these people call the Davids? Like, they would have had to have had their phone number, their cell phone number. Yeah. This is um, 2007. Yeah. So uh, we meet uh, Loretta Black, her Auntie Ray, and her two kids, Daryl and Keisha. And Larry thinks it's interesting that their name is Black, uh, kind of like if his name was Larry Jew. Yeah. And they are not amused by this. Yeah. Uh, although they are maybe not amused, but they are quite amazed by the house that is going about to become their new home. They uh, certainly hit yeah, the jackpot like of this, uh, and, uh, yeah, and fresh this like displacement lottery. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably most people didn't end up in a much better house than what they had before the hurricane. This is the top one percent of uh, <laughs> of possible situations. No, it's the top like point one percent. Of just, like, in general, of house situations. Of all houses. Correct, right. Yes. <laughs> Never mind for people who are yeah, displaced yeah, yeah, yeah. from a hurricane. Yes. Uh, who, you know, generally it's like you sleep on the floor in a, in a well, stadium. Well, there's a reason that one member of the family is still there uh, many years later. Yeah, right. Yeah, they, they, they knew it was good for them. Yeah. Um, Larry's like, uh, please don't touch anything. Loretta starts smoking in the house. And yeah. Larry's like, oh, should we tell her something? Cheryl doesn't care. I don't know why Cheryl doesn't care. But uh, Cheryl's, I guess, just like on a sugar high from her charitable uh, good deeds. So uh, she wants to host a party so that way everyone can meet the blacks just like they did. Uh, so they uh, head over to the bakery that uh, Funkhauser had recommended. and They did ha- legitimately like this cake. Yeah, it was. Deli- it looks like it was a delicious cake. Um, yeah. And they're like, hey, we want the same one that you made for Funkhauser the other night. And he says, yes, that's a great delicious chocolate cake. And he takes it out and it's a giant penis. Yeah. And Larry's confused, but it turns out that they're in, a, in an erotic bakery, and all of the cakes are uh, in the shapes of various uh, parts. Yeah, I mean, there's like a just giant dildos in the background, but you know, I guess uh, Larry and Cheryl somehow don't notice them. Sort of, Larry didn't notice the giant Jesus cross in the last episode. Yeah, so, so uh, Larry yeah. is very mad that uh, Funkhauser knowingly served them penis. Yeah, this is a uh, I don't know if it's homophobic or just weird, but like, who cares what shape the cake is in if you just cut it up and serve it in pieces. Right. Exactly so what, yeah. I could see how like what ends up happening at their party that if somebody brings out a giant penis cake and you weren't expecting that, like that could bo- be bothersome. But, sure. But, but, but to Larry be upset have, that you yeah. unknowingly ate a regular piece of cake that had been previously in the form of a penis. Yeah. Yeah. Very odd. Is, yeah. That, but also that, Larry and Cheryl angrily leave the cake without buying the cake. Right. Which doesn't make sense. Again, buy the cake and cut it up the way that, that Jeff did. Right. Yeah, I mean, I could certainly see that scenario just going to a different bakery and buying a different cake because, like, you just, like, don't want the penis cake in your house. 
Well, but I, but the point, the reason they went all the way to get the penis cake is it's the best cake they've ever had. Yeah. So, but I, I hear both sides of the should they take the cake or leave the cake. I, I could see you saying, you know what, we don't want a penis cake. We're, we'll go get a, a, a less good cake that's in a square shape. <laughs> Or rectangle or circle. How did Funkhauser discover this uh, this bakery, <laughs> by the way? Funkhauser has a dark side that I think that we just like never really get to, to tap into as much. On well, later on, we will learn that uh, someone's cunt is in the sink, so maybe their cake, their cock was in the sink also. <laughs> it could be. That's a spoiler. <laughs> it is a spoiler. Um, so yeah, so uh, we're having the party, and Loretta's you know telling some of the people she's meeting about how horrible everything was, and uh, Funkhauser jokes that you know oh maybe I'm being rude for showing up on the right night, Larry. And Larry wants to know why didn't you tell me you were serving me a penis? And Funk says, well, I told you it was a black log. Larry's like, <laughs> you know, next time if you serve me a penis, just a little heads up. Which, yeah. The, yeah, by the way, fair. the cake gets two pretties here. He says it's pretty, pretty good. Pretty, which, pretty good, yes. If this is the best cake you've ever had, it deserves more than two pretties. Yeah, it's not commensurate with the lengths they go to. Um, yeah, to get the cake. Yeah, so um, Larry uh, sees uh, Richard and Chacha, and he goes over to apologize to them. But Richard is fine now. He's over it. See, I'm here. Obviously, I'm fine. And Jeff comes rushing in, You know, announces he has the cake, and Larry quickly <laughs> runs to try to stop him. Um Although, so Jeff went into the bakery, didn't notice anything, asked for the cake, was shown the cake, still didn't look at the cake. like. Or Jeff was like, oh, nice, penis cake. Yeah. <laughs> this will go over great at the party. Yeah. Who doesn't love a penis cake? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, the next morning at Larry's, uh, all on his lonesome, eating some leftover penis cake, as one oh, I does. It was later that night. Is it the next oh. morning? Oh, I guess it could be late at night. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, um, Everyone's and, gone to bed. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Loretta comes down and she's still smoking. And well, they don't have smoke detectors anymore in their house, so yes. Um, and uh, Larry's like, "Look, I'm sorry. You know, Jeff didn't know it was a penis cake. Uh, turns out Keisha was very upset by the cake, which I guess you know I could see how that could happen. Yeah, um, the child. Larry's. And there's like, also the awkward racial component yeah, of the color of the penis. And La- yes, and Larry's like. So, you know, I see that you're smoking a lot. Is it possible that maybe you could smoke outside on occasion? She gives him a look. Yeah, yeah he's like like very scared to even ask her. Um, yeah. And uh, he offers her a piece of cake, but uh, all she uh, does is put her cigarette out in the cake. Hmm. Or puts her cigarette in the cake, but apparently doesn't put it out, which I, I, so. I don't yeah. really know how that could happen. Yeah, you would think that the uh, the consistency of cake would put out a cigarette pretty quickly. Yeah, especially I heard it was a real thick black log. But yeah, um, so uh, we get everyone gets into bed and the cigarette starts a fire. And since uh, there is no smoke alarm anymore in the house, uh, a good part of the house seems to catch on fire, and the blacks are now stranded along with the Davids on the front lawn. By the way, I'm also calling bullshit. Like, there's no way that my wife would ever permit us to host a party with like the thing pulled out of the wall and like cords just hanging loose and like you know what I mean. They would have had to have that fixed before the party. Yeah. Well, that was in the kitchen, so maybe no one was going into the yeah. kitchen. Yeah. I guess not. Yeah. They just they go to the kitchen after the party, I guess. Yeah, like the guests wouldn't yeah. wouldn't go into the kitchen. Yeah. Maybe. Um. And as they're uh, on the lawn with the firefighters cleaning up inside, Ted comes by. Now, this is weird because yeah, this, this is seems, 7 in the morning. Yeah, this is the morning. Like, <laughs> I mean, he's showing up without his wife and with a <laughs> bottle of wine for a party. Yeah, he says, I'm here for the party. Yeah. And again, he's clearly trolling. He's here to make a point. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the end of the episode. Mm.
Bob, how do you rate this uh, opening episode of season six? Um, I'm going to say I don't think this is a great episode. I'm going to give it a little bit of a bump because it's uh, a season premiere, and the season premieres uh, tend to be a little flat. Uh, but I do really – I like the – even though we've like kind of said it doesn't really make sense as a plan, I do very much like the move of the pretending that you think the party was the other night. Um, that's like a, a very memorable thing. Um, yeah. getting the blacks into our life, even though, you know, we haven't really gotten, uh, too much humor is, uh, still momentous. So I will give it pretty, 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 pretty good. 3.5, hmm. uh, a nice solid start to season six. Have you ever done that move, by the way? I don't think so. Oh, oh, I definitely have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? So wait, so what happened? Yeah. Not for a party per se, but I've just like let's say I was supposed to show up somewhere at eight o'clock, but I was busy and I wasn't available. Then you know I'll just show up and like play dumb. Like oh no, I thought this is when we were supposed to do it. And you know, I don't oh know. okay, yeah. I mean but I guess I'm not, yeah, I, I'm I don't not think I would come twenty four hours late. I might come like a whole if I'm day. if I'm running late or something. I might. I'm but sure in my life dumb. I've played dumb like, in that like oh yeah. did, I thought did we say eight? I thought we said nine. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure I've done that. I probably did that today. Yeah. Um, yeah so you're so last week I basically said in my rating how. I was judging it not from – I was trying to judge it from the context of the time and how I, was, how I was viewing it at the time in real time when I thought it might have been a series finale, not just a regular episode. This week I'm going to kind of make the opposite argument, which is I watched this episode, having watched an episode of Curb you know, every single week for the last uh, you know, uh, 50 plus weeks, and I thought this was a perfectly average episode. So I would say it's pretty, pretty, pretty good, two and a half. Mm-hmm. But I think that at the time that I saw it, I probably would have given it like four pretties just because I would have been so overjoyed for Kirby back after two years. Right. But but now, again, I didn't have to wait a week. I only had to wait a week, excuse me. So, yeah, only two and a half for me. Yeah. No, I mean, just my, my point on the premieres is that premieres, you often have to do, like, some setup. St- yeah. Some setup. So it's like they're naturally going to be, like, a little bit slower and not have those payoffs yet. Um, and I think this one uh, kind of, like, sets the table nicely for where the season is going. Okay. Um, I will point out, though, I'm looking at the premieres. Um, last, uh, season three's premiere, you gave a five to Chet's shirt. One of well, your yeah, favorite episodes That was a Wizard of Oz episode. Yeah, and oh, that's true. Oh, yeah, and last, and then, and then season four, we both gave one and a half pretties. Was one of the worst episodes we thought. Mel's offer. Yeah, which is setting up the the season long arc. So yeah, we're a little more a little more generous here. <laughs> what about who is your come with guy or guy? Uh, my come with guy has got to be the Funk Man here. Um, he, uh, you know, he's, uh, running the party. He's doing the party again the next night. He's buying penis cakes. Uh, yeah, he's, uh, doing great stuff. I love Funkman oh. in this episode. Uh, and this is Funkman's, uh, for you or for either one of us. He has not ever been a come with guy before. A little surprising, I think. But I guess we haven't seen that much of him and he hasn't done that much. Yeah. And one of the episodes he's in was also the one with, was the, the Dodgers game that had, uh, I can't remember her name, but she was obviously the come with guy. Yeah. Come well, guy. so I I thought there was an obvious come with guy here, which is, um, you know, last week I hinted on the ep- on the podcast how um, this season starts really it's more Vivica a. Fox and JV Smoove who you know doesn't really emerge until later, but um, you know, and, and last week I think at the end of the episode we talked about uh, Leon replacing Cheryl in Larry's life, right? Uh, eventually, but, yes. Yeah, but and big spoiler for, for the rest of the season. So if you're watching for the first time, uh, skip ahead on the podcast. Let's say like 60 seconds. But like it's actually literally Vivica who will replace Cheryl this season, right? Like in the actual show, like, you know, literally. Um, and and so like she comes out in this episode smoking, literally. Um, she looks really, really good. 
and um, you know, as uh, as as the game said in dreams. But anything is possible if it be fuck Vivica. And really, anything is possible because Larry David does. So she's definitely my come with gal, and I think she's gonna take down a number of them this season, um, including uh, this episode. And, uh, and from my memory, I think she's gonna take down the fin the uh, season finale also uh, for how she ends the season. But um, the, yeah, I'm, I'm very the, excited to see her. The, the the very end of this season is is one of the best of all yes. time. Yeah. Are, are you? Do you know that song I was referencing? Uh, no. Oh, okay. So the game, the rapper, the game. I don't know who that is. If you Google him, you'll. Anyway, so he has a song. I'm called sure Dreams. if I Googled him, I would see it. Yeah. 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 So he has a song called Dreams, and he says in the song, "But anything is possible if Fifty fuck Vivica." Because like the fact that Fifty Cent got together with Vivica Fox was considered like such an impossible. Vivica Fox was considered at this point, I, I, I guess, around the time both that this episode airs and also that the dream uh, that the song Dream comes out. She was considered like the most uh, unattainable woman. Um, I don't know if in, in all of pop culture, in African American pop culture, but like you know, she was seen as like the the absolute it thing. So the fact that uh, LD is gonna have a chance here. Wait, but wasn't is, uh, Fifty Cent like one of the biggest rappers in the world? Well, well, that's the point that you would think. Well, Fifty Cent could get anybody. So if the fact that him getting Vivica is still like shocking, it shows how high of a level. That's the Kavachomer here. You see yeah. what I'm saying? Well, it's a stupid yeah, Kavachomer. Like it should be like, oh, if Av could fuck Vivica, like that's a grand statement. Well, but but I think but that the point is that's how amazingly high Vivica is that that Fifty Cent was like one of the most famous people in the world, and you know extremely rich and extremely powerful and popular, and yet him managing to sleep with Vivica Fox was considered an anything is possible situation uh, for the game. Yeah, it feels reductive to me, but fair enough. Right. I, I think you're just not appreciating how hot Vivica is. Is my point. She's so very hot. Was, She's very hot. I, I was going to propose. You know, in last episode we had the guides. We were when we when it comes to sort of celebrity cameos, um, and we said Dustin Hoffman's the most famous person in the show to play a character. But in terms of their curating at the time that they're on the show, I would say Vivica A. Fox maybe – I mean, Dustin Hoffman obviously is higher than Vivica A. Fox's career, and it's not close. But in 2005, it's not exactly the high point of Dustin Hoffman's career, right? No, definitely not. The high point yeah. of his career is like the 70s. Yeah, whereas Vivica A. Fox, like this is, uh, you know, this is like her high point, and, uh, and she's, uh, you know, she's really going to be great all season. So. Anyway, uh, who is your fucking asshole of the week? My fucking asshole of the week is uh, Loretta, played by Vivica Fox. Um, what? Yeah. How I, dare you? Well, I just I, I think she has a very ungrateful attitude to how she's like acting for these people that have taken her and her family into their home, even though they are. Yeah, strangers. and then they showed a giant black cock to her young daughter. Whatever. I mean, yeah, maybe if you know. Also, when you're that hot, you can get away with it. Well, okay, fine, but I, I, yeah, she her her behavior is completely inexcusable. It's like, Ooh, she, wow, she's like smoking in somebody else's house. Like, I, she's this is craziness. Like, these people have rescued you and your your aunt and your children from a hurricane. Like, you should be like on your knees, like begging. You know, not begging them, but like she'll be on her knees. But later in the, in the season, they, they, she should be like thanking them nonstop. Instead, she's like. Yeah, you know, maybe I'll put up my cigarette and, like, you know, you pissed off my kid and she starts a fire and burns down their house. Oh, well, I mean, that part wasn't intentional. And that's really, if anything, Larry's the one who... Uh, it wasn't intentional, it. but, she, you know, she could still have some... Yeah. Uh, you know. All right. Well, to me, the fucking asshole of the week uh, of the episode has to be Ted. To quote George Costanza, when you know someone's a liar, you call them a liar. You don't show up at their house the next morning with a bottle of wine pretending to pull the same shtick that they just tried on you the night before. So, yeah. I don't like Ted. I don't like how he acts in this episode. There's a lot of uh, Ted working against Larry. That's you know we're going to see obviously even more in the future seasons. And uh, yeah, I don't like the cut of his jib here. So, 
We're gonna have to see what. Hopefully, we have some uh, some mail to uh, address these open issues that we, we have. have about, some, uh, we have some mail. All right. Well, can we go to the postman right now then? We can go to the postman. Uh, postman, uh, postman, uh, come uh, here. here Tell the neighborhood. Uh, First email is from William Blake. He says, "Hi, Alex and Av. I'm Will. And why didn't you tell me I was eating a black penis?" <laughs> Larry, Larry really tried to torpedo that first impression with the blacks. I love Loretta lighting up the cigarette of the house. She instantly becomes the boss of the house. Come with Guy. He gives it to Jeff for defending Larry at the club, and he brings a huge cake to the party. Asshole week is Richard. Wait, but he also throws Larry under the bus a couple times like yeah. at the, the, at the Funkhauser party. Yeah. I would have written Susie. Um, Richard Lewis <laughs> and Larry for Asshole Week. Richard gets a guest pass to a country club and complains about it. Larry wants to sleep with his girlfriend. They are the most toxic couple on the show. Uh, Ooh, that's fair. He uh, gives it 4.5 per D's out of 5. So Will is, By the way, at the end of the episode. last episode, when we saw Richard at the beach drinking a cocktail, he was with that beautiful woman. We didn't see who it was. Was that Chacha? Um, I doubt it. Because hmm. yeah, I guess yeah, he it's, it's like two years. I doubt he, they he like doesn't have a, Yeah, He doesn't have a two year long relationship. Yeah. And, like, and I, it's got to be two years in real life because it's so in, in the show's. Uh, uh, because it has to be two years in the show because it's so long that, again, it's never mentioned, nothing's ever referenced. You know, Richard not being interested in golf, no reference whatsoever to what happened previously. So Yeah. Um, yeah. Zach Brooks asks, am I the asshole if I smoke cigarettes in somebody else's house without asking? Yes, you're the asshole of the week. I, well, I, again, I think it depends. <laughs> Zach Brooks is a good-looking guy, but he doesn't look like a okay, Fox. So. <laughs> Just because you're good-looking doesn't mean you're not an asshole. No, but – She's giving a benefit, a service to Larry, which is you get to Just hang out and look be, at me. Being there? Yeah. Uh-huh. So this Absolutely. whole thing is, uh, is a benefit and, and to it's Larry. Not, I mean, not just being there, but also she's going to, you know, I mean, again, we know how the season's going to end. And, uh, well, you know, that La- could, she could be, Larry, she could Larry be a hero of a different from having, yeah, Larry benefits greatly from having African-Americans in his Maybe life. eventually. At this point, yeah. so far, there's just someone who burned his house down. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Fair. Lisa Left Eye Lopes um, did that to Andre and, and you And like, you, I asked you not to smoke in the house, and you insisted on it, and then you burnt my house down. Yeah. Uh, he says, overall, just an okay premiere. Feels like the day late to the party joke was a little forced by the end. He gives it 3.5 and signs off as Zach Jew. <laughs> and yeah. finally, from Olin Allen, he says he particularly enjoyed the argument at the Funkhousers over the newlywed game, the highlight of the episode, and felt Larry was totally in the right. The stipulations of the question meant no squirming out. The rest of the episode was solid but unspectacular. Not cartoony enough, and I'm sure you already discussed the inconsistency of Lewis having no interest in, no interest in golf, yeah. and particularly <laughs> with putting. While in the previous episode, he was very careful <laughs> and previous with his putter to extreme degrees. He gives it two pretties out of five. Fucking asshole of the week, Marty Funkhauser, for cheating bullshit answer to the newlywed game. <laughs> um, yeah, but Jeff's like is that. worse, I think. Yeah. Um, Just is more obviously a lie. Yes. Um, yeah. Come with Guy, Richard Lewis, going alone for a golf game he hates despite having a cherished putter. Mm. <laughs> All right. Uh, next week, we have the anonymous donor uh, featuring uh, Barbara Boxer, the uh, the then California senator. And um, this, 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 this anonymous donor concept is something I think about all the time. It always comes up to me, I feel like. Um, so that's an episode where, you know, we've talked about some episodes where we don't really remember it. I don't remember all the other storylines in the episode, but um, like, I don't know. Do we meet Leon next week or does he come a couple of episodes later? I don't I haven't looked up anything about the anonymous donor, but yeah, I know this storyline. I remember he has the uh, the Yankee jersey. It's a Joe, like a Joe Pepitone jersey, I believe. Mm. I believe that's in this episode because like he's he's wearing it at the very end when he's screaming. I'm anonymous. Yeah. Oh, he's wearing. OK. All right. I think so, so. Yeah, much like George wears a Babe Ruth jersey. So. 
Larry uh, only wears a pepitone. We'll have to see next week. Yeah, so I'm excited. Uh, Barbara Boxer was a uh, was a pretty good uh, senator, I think, from California, but she was replaced by Kamala Harris, who I would say, as a senator, was uh, even more so. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Think better than that? Oh, certainly not. You know, we, we've we've uh, dug our souls into a hole by requiring us to come up with some like ridiculous. This was a segue. chance to start over. This is like you know we're at the midpoint of the show. We could have like new song and new uh, uh, you know interstitial music and a new outro, but we didn't come up with anything ahead of time. So we did not. We're we're not as good as our uh, podcast title. <laughs> yeah. Time Dre dropped 2001. Three years later, the album is done. Aftermath presents nigga with an attitude, volume one. Rap critics politicking, wanna know the outcome. Ready to die, reasonable doubt, and doggy style in one. I feel like Pac after the Snoop Dogg trial was done. Dre behind that G series, and all eyes on me. I watched the death of a dynasty, so I told Vibe magazine. Working with Dr. Dre was a. I had visions of making a classic. Then my world turned black, like I was staring out of Stevie Wonder's glasses. It's kinda hard to imagine, like Kanye West coming back from his fatal accident to beat making and rapping. But we the future. Whitney Houston told me that and it's gonna take more than a bullet in the heart to hold me back. in this 40 ounce, letting the ink from my pen bleed. Cause Martin Luther King had her, Aaliyah had her. Left eye had her, so I reached out to Kanye I brought you all my dreams Cause I love A fucking an R&B bitch like Maya When I saw that ass on the front of that king Read the article in the magazine She loved gangsters, loved nasty things So I'm in the glass house having nasty dreams Good girls never give it up But anything is possible If 50 fuck Vivica Hurdle life's obstacles Found my way through the maze Then joy turned to pain like Frankie Beverly and Mays Used to dream of being unsigned hype Till I was crushed by Dave Mays Almost let my pen fall asleep on the page Daydreaming yesterday, dozing off backstage. I thought I saw Easy talking to Jam Master J. So I walked over, heard Jam Master say, It's a hard knock life, then you pass away. They say sleep is the cousin of death. So my eyes wide open, cause a dream is kin to your last breath. Rushing in this 40 ounce, letting the ink from my pen bleed. Cause Martin Luther King had her, Aaliyah had her, left eye had her. So I reached out to Kanye and I brought you all my dreams Cause I love Dream of Huey Newton, that's what I'm living through. The dream of Eric Wright, that's what I'm giving you. 
Who walked through the White House without a business suit Compton had Jerry Curl dripping on Ronald Reagan shoes Gage Michael in my demo came here to pay my dues Started off with Who Kid, then I start blazing Clue It was all a dream like Big said it be Don't sleep on me homie, I bring nightmares to reality Rap phenomenon, defying the rules of gravity Studied all the classics, start revising my strategy Cause Marshall Mathers made it, Curtis Jackson made it Head in the clouds, wondering where the hell Marvin Gaye went How do I say this, I'm living for my son But I can't figure out why I'm at my temple with this gun Wake up to a Jesus peace like a Catholic nun The war to be a rap legend has just begun Rushing in this 40 ounce, letting the ink from my pen bleed Cause Martin Luther King had her, Aaliyah had her, left eye had her So I reached out to Kanye and I Dedicated to your Tunde Price, the sister of Venus and Serena Williams, who was slain during the gang shootout in Compton, Sunday, September 14th, 2003. Rest in peace.